0: Loving God, your word has the power to restore our lives, open our hearts to the presence of your spirit and the message from your word, for you are mighty to save. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is the first four verses of the third chapter from the prophet Malachi. Not in the Hebrew Bible, but in the Christian Bible, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Now our gospel reading begins at the 68th verse of the first chapter in Luke's gospel where John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke through the mouth of the holy prophets. From of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus, he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us, that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God. The dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then for a flavor of what John did in his ministry of preparation, we read a few verses from the third chapter of Luke. In the 15th year, of the reign of Emperor Tiberius when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah the voice of one crying out in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make his path straight every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks to to you God. God. <coughs> o Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. From what I have read, songwriters who write Christmas music have the same kind of problem hymn writers do. The problem is this. It's hard to get people to accept a new one because we have strong musical associations usually formed back in childhood. What music or songs do you associate with Christmas? For many of us, it's Handel's oratorio. Messiah, which happily engraved the King James scriptures into our brains. For most of us, favorite carols come to mind, like Silent Night or Joy to the World. Secular songs get connected with Christmas as they paint pictures of happy scenes of chestnuts roasting over an open fire or jingle bells, or for a twisted few That Christmas song, You Just Can't Get Out of Your Head, is that 1979 classic written by Randy Brooks, recorded by the husband and wife team of Elmo and Patsy, Shropshire. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. (laughs) The Shropshires are not married anymore. That's a song they take off the playlist because half the people love it and half of them hate it. (laughs) Well, for people who study the Bible, some of the songs that are tied to Christmas are the three songs in the early chapters of Luke's Gospel. All three of them are known by Latin names. There's the Magnificat that Mary sings when she learns that she will give birth to Jesus. There's the Nunc Dimittis which translated means now dismiss us that old Simeon sings in the temple when they bring Jesus as a baby to the temple and he holds the baby Jesus and basically says I can die happy now uh, now dismiss us and then there's the Benedictus the psalm that Zechariah father of John the Baptist sang When the old priest, Zechariah, had been told by the the angel uh, Gabriel that he and his wife Elizabeth were gonna have a son, he could not believe it. They were well past childbearing years and that just didn't seem very likely. And So for the next nine months, he was mute. I know for many wives, that's a a real dream. A husband doesn't say a word. (laughs) Well, he couldn't agree with her, much less disagree with her. He could. And then, when it comes time to name John the Baptist, Elizabeth says his name's going to be John, and she says, "Well, the, the folks in the neighborhood had a role in all the naming." I said, "No, wait a minute. There's nobody in your family named John. That just seems odd, right?" And so they went and they asked Zechariah, and he wrote on a tablet, his name is John, and that's when he was able to talk. This psalm of Zechariah is much more than the overflowing joy of a new father holding his firstborn son. It's a great hymn of prophecy, praise, and blessing. The open ver- opening verse is sing God's praises for what God has done in history. Just look at the verbs, the action words. It says God has looked favorably on his people, redeemed them. He's raised up a mighty Savior for us. God has kept promises made as he spoke from the mouth of holy prophets of old, especially the promise that we would be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us. I don't know about you, I used to not relate to that business, all who hate us, because I just didn't think that many people hated, I knew some people didn't like me, but I didn't think anybody hated me or hated us. But with current events in the world, you know there are people who hate us for being Americans. There are people who hate us for being Christians. Those verses mean more to me now than they used to. God has shown the mercy promised and has remembered His holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. In short, God has been and still is at work transforming the world. God redeems, God restores, God is faithful. Well, that was then. How about now? How has God looked favorably on you? How has God shown you mercy? How has God enabled you to serve me without fear? The first part of Zechariah's prayer hymn spoke of God's transforming action. The second part prophesied about John's life. And talked about how John would be God's prophet and he would be the forerunner of Jesus. He would give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of sins. John would prepare the way, and by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high would break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the path of peace. In those last few verses of Zechariah's psalm, we see a picture of four steps in the Christian's journey. First, there's preparation, getting ready. Everything in your life up to now has gotten you ready to deal with today and the next day. Some things that we learned way long time ago come back to us as we need them is preparation, getting ready. Then there's the beginning of the knowledge of understanding of God's nature. The wonderful writer and commentator William Barclay observed that the Greek concept of God was a passion, a passionless being without emotion, beyond joy or sorrow. All us Star Trek fans would say it was kind of like uh, Mr. Spock, no emotion. The Jewish concept of God tended to be more demanding. Demanding obedience to the law. A lot more like that angry, finger-pointing character that you see drawn in cartoons. Part of the problem was that they didn't, and we don't really have a clear picture of God until the arrival of Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the third part of the picture. There is forgiveness. You see, the problem with sin is not that it's breaking the rules. The problem is that sin breaks our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. The fourth part of this picture of the Christian way is walking in the ways of peace. That is, in right relationship with God and with the children of God. So what if you kind of felt like John's father that old priest Zechariah and and what if the Holy Spirit filled you and inspired you to write a song a song of praise and prophecy what would you write how would you praise God what would you name as ways that God has favored you how has God raised you up and redeemed you How has God's mercy touched your life? How has God transformed your life? What would you prophesy as your hope for the future? You see, Christ is coming again. How are you preparing the way of the Lord? Thanks be to God. benediction words come from the 11th chapter of Isaiah. May the Spirit of the Lord rest on you, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, so that you may delight in the Lord from this day forth.